Now we began last Sunday a two-part series called What to Do When Life Makes You Weary. And we said there is a type of weariness that a good night's sleep or vacation will not take care of. We need to get a good night's sleep and sometimes we just need to pull away on a vacation, even if it's just a couple of days or, or so. It's something about that, just getting away from your house and not looking at your dirty house or, <laughs> or uh, things you got to do. You look at your yard, boy, I need to pick up some weeds, but when you're on vacation somewhere, you can't. So it's good to kind of unplug, as they say. And there's a type of weariness uh, that you can, uh, it, you can get a good night's sleep and you'll be fine. When I was a teenager, one of my friends... Uh, his dad asked us, he said, now this Saturday, boys, we got to go, uh, I'm going to cut down a bunch of trees, and y'all need to help me. I did not know what I was getting into. Uh, I was in great shape back then. I'm telling you, I was in great shape. And uh, notice I said back then. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and so we went out and we cut down, I, I forgot how many pine trees, but you know, he would cut them up into smaller logs about this big, and all day long, we hauled those logs, and by the time it was through, I was sore. I was tired, okay? I was not only tired, I was wearily tired. And that night, great sleep, woke up the next morning, a little sore, obviously, even back then, but I'd overcome my weariness there. But the type of weariness that I'm talking about here, what to do when life makes you weariness, is a weariness that Isaiah is going to address in just a moment as we take a look, look at it. And I gave you a, dition, a, a, a definition last week, and uh, the type of weariness I'm talking about is this, to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted to the point where you despair of life. Um, it means a feeling of being overwhelmed by problems, drowning in problems, where you lose the joy of your life. You're just hanging on. You're enduring life. You're just existing and just waiting for heaven to come. And the Bible cautions us, don't let yourself get to that level of weariness. Um, now, I just wrote down the, the actual chapter today, so I want to share some verses on the side. You can jot the reference down. But remember we uh, talked about Galatians 6, 9, jot that on the side. Uh, uh, Paul said, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And so he says this, it, it, you know, if you will, uh, don't lose heart, don't grow weary, because if you avoid those things, you can reap a harvest. How many times have people quit right before they were going to have a breakthrough? 2 Thessalonians 3.13, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. So listen, if we're growing weary, there's a problem. There is a problem. And so only you can react in such a way that God can begin to help you in your weariness. Now here's what we talked about, just a little review. We said there are three things you must do when life makes you weary. And we spent a whole sermon talking about you need to focus on the greatness of God. And you see that in verses 21 through 28. 
And then we ask the question, well, why should we do that? Because if, if, if you're not focusing on the greatness of God, God will be like this small in your life, this size in your life, and your problems will look like that. Your problems are making you weary because they're so heavy and you're looking at your problems more than you're looking at God. But if you look at the greatness of God, it will begin to expand God's size, so to speak, of your vision in His life, and your problems will begin to look like this, and that weariness will begin to fade away. Then we ask the question, well, how? How do I, how do I focus on the greatness of God? How do you do that? Um, well, he tells us first to focus on His creative power. Look in verse uh, 21, if you would. Verse 21, and I closed my Bible where I was. Uh, let me get this out here. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, look in verse 21 of Isaiah uh, 40, because I want to read the passage here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? He's talking to weary people. Has it not been declared to you from the beginning, that is the beginning of creation, have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And so he's saying, look, I created all this thing. Don't you remember this? Focus on my creative power. Then we said to focus on His controlling power, that God is sovereign even over the kings and the nations of the earth. Look in verse 22 through 25. It is He who sits above the circle or the globe of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Look at this. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, or we'd say this, by the time they get elected, <laughs> scarcely they have been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but He merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom... Would, then will you liken me that I would be His equal, says the Holy One. And then we said to focus on God's sustaining power. Because not only does he, did He create the world, and He controls, He's an ultimate control of everything that happens. I don't say He caused everything, but He, he uses all things, the Bible says, after His will. He can work all things. But we're to focus on His sustaining power. He sustains what He created. And then we see that in verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, He calls them all by name because of the greatness of His might and the strength of His power. Not one of them is missing. He's sustaining it. Then we talked about focus on His omniscient power, that He knows everything and He knows why you're weary and He sees your situation. Look in verse 27 through 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, look at this, the everlasting God. You are the everlasting God. Um, um, the Lord, uh, the Creator of the ends of the earth, He does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. That means nobody can even fathom how much God knows His omniscient mind. So, therefore, 
Next, not only focus on the greatness of God, but here's a second second, uh, thing you must start doing. Confess the deficiency of your strength. You've got to confess the deficiency of your strength. Look in verse 29 through 30. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths, though teenagers, young people grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. The main reason, can I tell you the main reason if you feel weary today? is because you're trying to face your life in your own strength. And I'm telling you, it'll wear you down if you try to face your situation in your own strength. We try, to fa- we try to attempt our life in our own strength, solve our own problems, meet our own needs, and we really don't believe God. Uh, we need God every hour, every moment of the day. Uh, one time I was driving in Dalton, Georgia, about 45 minutes south of Chattanooga, I guess, maybe 30 minutes south of Chattanooga, and I'm the type person, and there's usually an opposite. You know how there's opposites in marriage? And Gail, once it gets to about a third of a tank, she wants to fill up, right? Okay, you know what I do? I run on the fumes of the fumes. I get, there's so many times I have left my uh, house, which is, you know, probably about a quarter of a mile or less to the gas station, and I've left my house, and not only is it on E, it's under E, okay? And so I'm, I'm driving, and as soon as I get to that hill going in front of those churches, I let off the gas because I'm, I'm wanting those fumes to carry me down there. I pull to the gas station, and I go, whoo, because I didn't want to get out there and push it or call Robert. Robert, help me. <laughs> Robert's usually my, my go-to person. And so I'll get up there and, and, and gas it up. You know why we uh, get so weary sometimes? We're just running on fumes. Now, you may be good at filling your tank with gas, but you're running on fumes emotionally, spiritually. And it's because you're trying to live your life in your strength. God's strength is the gas of life. And He doesn't just want you to be half-tanked, that sounds funny. It sounds like you're drunk, half tanked. You know what I mean? <laughs> that your tank is half full. Let me rephrase that. Okay, that your tank is half full. Remember what David said, my cup runneth over. You know what that means? You're so full of God's strength and joy, it's spilling out of the gas tank. And so here's what happens if your tank gets low spiritually. Uh, you'll become a joy... They're joyless Christians. They just lost their joy. They remember when they got saved and they were full of joy, but they've lost their joy as a Christian. There's just no gladness in their heart. There's no gladness when they sing these songs this morning. Oh, the wonderful cross. You are the everlasting God. It's just, you are the everlasting God. Okay? Then they're half-hearted Christians. They're not fully involved in the, in the church. They're just halfway in, halfway out. Then there's faint-hearted Christians. They're just, they're just so weary they just want to give up. They just want to give up and say, I'm so tired. I just, 
They're afraid of the future. They, they have no courage. They don't even think about doing asking God to do great things from them. They're faint-hearted. And then they're tempted Christians. Hey, I think we've all been there when we're, we're, we're trying to deal with something in our life. And it's like, man, I know I don't need to be doing that. And you're trying to overcome temptation. And it just, it just stays on you. And you're defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. It's because you're trying to face those things in your own strength. So you know what you got to do? Every day you got to say, God, I can't make it today. My strength is so pitiful, I'm just empty. I'm just so empty. Um, now notice he says in that passage, in that passage of verse uh, 29 through 30, Notice it says, He gives strength to the weary in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. See, He doesn't give strength to the strong. He gives strength to those who say, God, I'm so weary without you. That's who He gives strength to. I, I, I wrote down this, this quote, I do not know the source. But here's what this author said. I came to realize God is not looking for men strong enough to use. He's looking for men weak enough to use. Now, the Christian life is a paradox. Some things are just weird. God says, if you want to be really strong, then you've got to tell me you're really weak. <laughs> Isn't that good? And, and you don't have to be just going around bragging. You can just be going around and not asking God for His strength. Not asking God for you to help you to deal with the problems of your life, whatever they may be. He doesn't give strength to the, to, to the strong or those who think they're strong. Actually, we're, we're not strong in and of ourselves. He gives strength to those, look at this, oh, this is so good, who take the white flag and say, God, I give up. Have you ever done that? You know what you need to do? Every day, you need to take a white flag out in your prayer time and say, God, I give up. Can't do it. Can't do it. Why? Because I want to overcome weariness. I don't want to push through this life on my own. I don't want to just simply endure this life on my own. I want to have your strength, oh God, to face this. And you know what God does? When He, do, when he does that, when He sees that you're that weak... He gives to you. He gives it to you, His strength. Um, then it says this, Though youths grow weary and tired, and in our vernacular we'd say, Though teenagers grow weary and tired. Weary and tired, what does that mean? It means they just want to give up life. And that can happen to a teenager. Do you know what the number one cause of death of teens is? Uh, car accidents. That's why they have to have high insurance rates. Okay? And uh, sometimes uh, I'll be driving and I'll see a, a teenager coming down the road about 100 miles an hour and I'll go, teenager alert, teenager alert, because the part of their brain is not developed that shows danger, what real danger is. And so girls right here, it... it, it until you're 26 years old, your brain, that frontal cortex, whatever, is not fully developed. 
So just to tell you, you're not, you're brainless. Okay, isn't that encouragement? I prayed for encouragement. Y'all lacked half your brain this morning. There's your encouragement, okay? Seriously though, um, teenagers, the second cause of teenager deaths is suicide. Suicide. I read a quote this week, a statistic this week. 60% of teenage girls live in a state of constant sadness. Most of the school shootings is because people, listen, they want to go out in a blaze of glory. They feel bullied. They're worn down. They're at the end of their rope. And so they could decide to go shoot up a school. Because yous can go weary and tired. Now here's the number three. Once you focus on God's greatness, then you realize how small and puny you are and how much you need His power. Then you need to learn how to appropriate His power. That means, how do you go to the spiritual bank and make withdrawals? How do you appropriate the power of God? Because you can focus on God's greatness, you can confess how weak you are and still be weary. How do you go to God's bank and start writing checks and take the power of God? Now look in verse 31. Um, He says this in verse 31. Uh, Where did I go? Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, here's verse 31. Yet those who wait... For the Lord, that's the withdrawal process. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So sometimes, look look at this. You get God's strength now. And sometimes you just fly like an eagle. Then sometimes you're running. And then sometimes it's those difficult times you have to walk, but you're walking and not become weary. I mean, every one of us, sometimes we're flying like an eagle. We're so close to God, we feel His power, His anointing. We are flying like an eagle. Other times we may not feel it, but we're uh, you know, walk, running through and doing our thing for God. And there's other times it's just one step in front of another. Walking with God. But God said, if you'll do this, you won't go weary. You won't give up and quit, even though sometimes the going uh, gets tough. I wrote this down. You and I have a choice. It's our choice whether or not we're going to fly like eagles or live on the ground like a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> turkeys don't fly. Ever, you ever seen WKRP? I don't know if you ever saw that show. That was a great show. And the number one thing people remember about that is they got, went up in a helicopter for some kind of promotion and they had all these turkeys and they throw the turkeys out and the turkeys went to the ground and they died. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that. Okay, uh, the, you're a turkey if you're not doing this. you got to fly like an eagle. Fly like an eagle. All right? Now... It says, those who wait for the Lord. Well, what in the world does that mean? 
Because he says that's the key to appropriating God's power, that we're to wait upon the Lord. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean this, that you're just sitting there going, just waiting on God. What you doing? Just waiting on God. It's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. Rick Warren said this, There is no wasted time in the waiting room. And God, when, when you wait upon Him, here's what you're doing. You're saying, God, I'm focusing on Your greatness. I am confessing my deficiency. And I'm asking as a gift that You will give me Your power. And you know what? Sometimes He may immediately do that, but often, you know what He may do? It may be two to three weeks before you receive that. It's His gift. You know why He doesn't give it to you immediately? Because He wants to develop your trust. And so you're waiting on the Lord to come in and give you that new strength. And it, it, the, the word, the Hebrew word, means to bind together by twisting. It means to throw yourself upon God. Remember how Jacob one time uh, was running for his life and he was weary and, and all of a sudden uh, this angel, so to speak, and remember the word angel means messenger, um, he got into a wrestling match with him. And he wrestled him all night long. And that's the idea of you got to grab hold of God if you want to get it. you got to grab hold of God. It means to expect, to look for patiently. Uh, like Christmas, when you were a kid, you, you know it's coming. You know Christmas is coming, but boy, it's hard to wait, isn't it, when you're a kid? It seems like Christmas comes around about every five years. Now Christmas comes around to me every six weeks. <laughs> every six weeks is Christmas. Every six weeks is my birthday. Every, uh, it seems like I preach on Sunday, the very next day it's Wednesday night. Very next day, it's Sunday again. I mean, it just goes quick like that. But if we're waiting on God, we've got to wait patiently. It also has the idea of to lie and wait for someone. So we're not lying in wait for the power of God. We are lying in wait for Him. We are lying in wait for not something, but someone for God to intervene. And then the other meaning of that word means to trust. It means this, no matter how you feel when you do that, you just keep choosing to believe. When I was a young Christian, this is the way a lot of young Christians do. I mean, I'm talking about when, I mean, you could be 50 years old, get saved, and you're still a young Christian in the walk of life. But... When you're a young Christian, you depend too much on your feelings. And if you don't feel a certain way, then you don't do a certain thing. But the more you mature in the Christian life, you understand that a lot of it, you do not go by your feelings. You just choose to trust God. And when God sees you fully relying upon Him, then He gives the new strength. I read the story in Streams in the Desert. Uh, during my devotion this week. It's amazing to me, I'll be reading my devotions and something will come along just right for my sermon. See, God brings sermon material to me. <laughs> and uh, I read this in streams. 
uh, in the desert. Three young boys once gave a definition of faith that illustrates the important aspect of tenacity. Now listen to this. The first boy defined faith as taking hold of God. The second boy defined faith as keeping hold of God. And the third boy defined faith as never letting go of Him. Boy, I like that. Remember, remember what wait upon the Lord means? It means to wrap yourself around God in believing faith. And uh, when I was, uh, I mean, we have a wonderful house and we have a full basement. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've never had a full finished basement in my life, but God, God blessed us and we renovated. One thing we haven't renovated yet is we have a pole down there that helps to hold up that main part of the thing. And it's orange. It's ugly orange. Okay? It's ugly orange. And what I want to do, because we have a ship thing below, I want to take a rope sometime, a big old sea-looking rope, and wrap it around that pole to kind of give us that, that uh, boat kind of feel down there. But we hadn't done it yet. And one of the things that the grandkids like to do when they walk in there is they like to run up that pole, grab it, and swing around the pole. Just like that. And you know what we're to do with God? We're to go up to the pole, wrap ourselves completely around it, wrap ourselves completely around it, keep holding on to it, and never letting go. Can I tell you what our temptation is? When we get weary, we grab the pole. Oh, I want to wait on God. I want to wait on God. God gives us new strength and we let go of the pole. Sometimes we, um, we ask God for new strength. Oh God, I'm going through a problem now. God the Holy Spirit helps you to face that problem. And uh, you, you're holding on. You, you, you grab that pole, you're holding on to it, and you're holding on for a while. But then you let go. Waiting upon the Lord means grab a hold of the pole, wrap yourself around it, stay wrapped around it, and never let go. Isn't that cool? I love that definition of faith. Now here are two things that kind of go along with this, and I got this out of the pulpit commentary. It's really good. I like the way that they worded this. How do we appropriate the power of God? A patient waiting for the exercise of God's power on our behalf. A patient waiting. And then, here's the next thing, an earnest appeal to Him in believing prayer that He would fulfill His Word. God, I'm waiting on You. I'm, I'm asking you for strength. I'm appropriating your strength. Don't feel it now, but I'm wrapped around you. I'm holding on, and I'm not going to let go like Jacob said. And you're holding on to him, and you're looking expectantly. He's going to give you his strength. He's going to help you overcome your weariness. And you're patiently waiting on him to do that. You're not, you're not like, hurry up, God. You're like, God, I know you're going to come through. I'm just waiting waiting upon you. And remember what he said here? He says, when you do this, you'll gain new strength. It's not just you getting a second wind. It is getting God-infused power 
to lift you up out of that weariness. Now let's ask another question. What? What happens when we begin to live this way? What happens when I focus on how God, how God is great and my view of Him begins to expand? And my problems begin to get overshadowed by the greatness of God. What happens when I say, God, I just can't make it. You've got to do it. And I appropriate His power and I wrap myself around Him. I keep myself around Him and I never let go. I purpose every day. I'm not letting go of God today. What begins to happen? Well, what will happen when you begin to live in the new strength? That's His strength. That's Holy Spirit power. God provides. Here's what will happen. You'll have a new resistance to temptation in your life. Here's the next thing. You'll have a new endurance dealing with difficulties in your life. You'll have a new consistency in your walk with the Lord. You'll have a new joy that will give you encouragement. You'll have a new desire to share your faith with others. And then you'll have a new effectiveness in serving the Lord. I want to drill this home to you again. Three things you must do. God's not going to do this for you. You must do to overcome your weariness. Focus on the greatness of God, His creative power, His controlling power, His sustaining power, His omniscient power. Confess the deficiency of your strength. You exchange your strength for His strength now. And then appropriating the power of God by patiently waiting and clinging to God in believing prayer, asking for His strength. And then watch what will happen. Then you will gain new strength, His strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not get tired. And you will walk and not become, keyword, weary. Let's bow for a word of prayer.